Ennis Britton, how can I help you? Yes, hello, Jeremy. I've got a quick question about an upcoming student trip we have planned. Oh, it is that time of year. Where are your kids headed? Yeah, it's the uh, eighth grade uh, trip to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. The, there are uh, overnights involved. Uh, the worry is we've got a kid with serious behavioral needs, and we're worried about his safety. So can we just require his parents to come along as chaperones? Will that work? Yeah. I mean, gosh, uh, that often is a good solution. The requirement part might run us into a bit of trouble. Let's talk about some options for how to keep everybody safe and accommodate this student on this trip. Welcome to On the Call, Ennis Britton's special education team podcast. I am Erin Westendorf-Fortman. And I am Jeremy Neff. And we are ready to dig into this call. So we always get a bunch of calls like this, especially toward the end of the school year. There's kind of that like wrapping things up, class trips, big rewards at the end of the year. I mean, I think I had four different field trip slips to filled out, fill out for my own children just in the month of May. And mm-hmm. that was for my own child, one of my two children I had to fill them out for. And it was maybe because we were moving on to a different grade in a different building that it didn't matter. We were just field trip for the world. It was needed. But it's a big deal. And mm-hmm. I think if we're not planning ahead for these field trips and the conversations with regard to students with disabilities, whether 504 or IDEA, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, because the law's got something to say about it, right? I mean, the law is very particular. And I know we've talked about this with our extracurricular episode that we did. But in effect, the law carries over into looking at field trips, and it carries over into the same analysis for this. So very specifically, under Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act, it says very clearly that no school district is going to really discriminate solely by reason of handicap or prohibit someone's attendance or participation. You know, we can't deny benefits of a program or activity that receives federal financial assistance. And so all of us in school districts, public schools for that matter, receive federal financial assistance. Some private schools do as well through various avenues. And if you do, we can't discriminate or deny benefits of. And I think the denial of benefits, not I think, I know, That applies to the benefit of extracurricular, co-curricular programming, of which field trips fall in line with that. Yeah, certainly. And denying the benefit, it can show up in a variety of ways. So it could be something that's very blatant and direct. We don't let those, you know, fill in the blank disability category. Those kids don't go on these trips. It could be something where... Uh, maybe there's some sort of criteria that in and of themselves can be a little bit discriminatory. So maybe it's, you know, a certain cutoff as far as grades or attendance. And if you have a child with maybe a medical condition, they're not going to be able to meet that. And then it could also be some other way that we could be reasonably accommodating a child. We don't. And that is treated as denying the benefits, even if on the surface, it looks like the child's being treated the same as any other typical kid on that trip. And I think at least the ones I've seen the most often is, well, we don't provide a nurse on these trips, so we're not taking the medication. So anybody that needs a medication, you're 
you're right. automatically not going, yeah. wait, what? That, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't always bode well, right? right? But really, we're talking about this equal opportunity, right? Equal access under the law is where the 504 regulations come in. And I know that IDEA also has their overlay in this with regard to, you know, every school district, the public agencies need to be taking steps to making sure that students with disabilities have the same access to non-academic and extracurricular activities as their peers, right? So again, referencing that equal opportunity. And I think making sure we are intentional about those conversations and about those decisions is sort of critical to making sure we don't violate idea IDEA's bringing in of 504 or 504 in and of itself. Yeah, and I, I think that in a different episode, we had talked about extracurriculars and how all of this applies. And there we said something to the effect of, look, we haven't met the kid that requires being on the golf team in order to receive faith. Field trips can be a bit trickier because often they are tied into the curriculum. So it's not even that's our catch-all, whether it's it's one of those non-academic or extracurricular activities. That that sweeps up things that don't otherwise fit in, but these might be things that fit in just to the regular education or the special education of a child, which actually will tie into the case we'll talk about later. So this is even more challenging, and it doesn't mean we can't have standards, right, or that there there might not be some sort of accommodation that that's, that goes too far. So we're we're still looking at things like uh, would an accommodation fundamentally alter the activity? Would an accommodation, then please, with caution, be too costly or you know otherwise burdensome? Or is it something that might create some sort of safety or health, health risk that is undue, whatever that might mean? Well, and I think that requires the digging in, right? This isn't, as we're talking, you're not talking service level discussion. This isn't just, well, the principal's going to review the paperwork and make a decision. This is a team-based discussion, whether a 504 team or an, an IEP team sitting down to see, you know, we start from the ability and the stance of the student is going on the trip until we have this undue burden, right? That aspect of saying it's a fundamental alteration, we just can't, right? That's really how the process should be working out. And it always feels icky, right? It doesn't ever feel good to exclude, no. right? It's equal opportunity, which feels fine, but that in and of itself, when you say that sort of phrase, it means you have an equal opportunity to be a part of this. Whereas the discussion we're having now with you know field trips, it feels more of a, you're in it already and now we're going to exclude you. And that feels in the true yeah, repetitive legal term of icky. It mm -hmm. just doesn't feel right. But I think we also treat field trips like that in schools right now anyway, right? Isn't it something that you've earned? It, it often feels like you you will only go if your behaviors are, you know, tip top shape. You will only go if your grades are tip top shape, and it's it's something you have to get that you your perfect attendance, your perfect behavior can get you, as opposed to it's part of the program. Right. Yeah. There are a few complications, and that's certainly one of them. When we're talking about field trips and how the law applies, and maybe even if you know, the person listening to this podcast gets it, maybe somebody else in the building doesn't. Other complications that come to mind with field trips are, by their nature, they are less structured, uh, which can create unique challenges depending on what the kid's disability needs are. And they're going to be away from a lot of the supports that are built into the school environment that are not going to be as 
easily available if you're tromping through a woods or you know at Cedar Point. No, Cedar Point. I'm, not- I'm, I'm reflecting my Northern Ohio heritage there. <laughs> <laughs> Kings Island in, in our part of the world here, where yes. we're broadcasting from. Also, Cedar Fair is, I think, the company that owns it. You know, not a production, but a company, whatever location. But with that, then with the lack of supports, you also introduce the unknown of parent chaperones or yeah. grandparent chaperones or foster parent or aunt or uncle whatever what kind of the crazy parent chaperones uh, a field trip or a school activity Aaron? i've been on my fair number <laughs> i judge you if you have not uh no some people can't and that's perfectly fine you know i view it as if i have the opportunity but i also know that based on what we do as school lawyers right i can go on a field trip and go oh Got it. I can you can recognize certain things along the way that there are other parents who don't have the same background that you or I may on these field trip adventures that may inadvertently help to exacerbate a behavior or may inadvertently, you know, do something that I don't know, would in effect really harm the whole experience of the field trip, right? For all of the students, let alone one of the students. Yeah, when our firm used to do adopt a class and we had a, a class of students with disabilities, it was always interesting to like try and take off that special ed lawyer hat and like, ooh, I don't know if that's how I would do that. That's correct. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of real world examples of how this can play out, we for our discussion today, we have an Office for Civil Rights, an OCR complaint out of California in uh, April of 2020. And this one jumped out to us, not just because it's a Long Beach case and, you know, we're thinking about, you know, heading out to the coast and enjoying the summer, but also because this case is not just a cautionary tale of here a school went wrong, but it's actually an example of where a school upheld some standards and it worked out because they did a lot of things correctly to get to the that end result. So, so you know, I, I guess I, spoiler alert, OCR does not find a problem with how this one played out. So the facts, though, we've got a high school student, and uh, she has autism, and she's part of a business program. And this business class, as part of the class, has a field trip. So day of the field trip, she is headed to the restroom to put on the t-shirt that they're going to wear on the field trip. So maybe they have some sort of class t-shirt or whatever it might be. As she approaches the restroom, and mind you, this is a student, this is not on like kind of the light end of the spectrum. She's somebody who's got a one-on-one aide. And uh, she and her aide are headed to the restroom so she can put on this t-shirt. And uh, a couple of girls walk out of the restroom, and our student here thinks they're talking about her. One of them says, you know, oh, Lord Jesus, something like that. She thinks they're talking about her. She tells her, hey, they're talking about me. And and I take it, reading between the lines in the, the, the letter from OCR, this must be a regular thing. She's worried that people are talking about her. The aide says, no, they're not talking about you. And the student slaps the aide on the hand. And says, also curses at her. And right? curses. I mean, I, this was a setup. I was hoping I'd finally was. get you to drop the F-bomb during one of these <laughs> recordings. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Well, we're working on it. I read in CNN that swearing is a sign of intelligence. So Then I am You're the really off the smart. charts in my smartness. <laughs> in my smartness. But no, the student says, you know, you never effing believe me, yeah. right? There, I didn't curse, but I said it, right? She's frustrated, clearly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the aide responds, and I think at that point, we're probably going to the principal's office because we have some... Oh, she says it again. Yeah. <laughs> 
So they go in and she changes. And as she goes back to the classroom, basically the same thing happens, right? And so she slaps the eight again on the hand and once again tells her, you never effing believe me. But I think that the slapping bit of this seems new, Mm -hmm. right? When you read through some of the case, right? Now, granted, we're not in California. We don't represent the school district. So we only have limited facts. But it appears the physicality of the interaction is new. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the language or the you never believe me, but the physicality aspect is. And so we go to the principal's office, right? And the principal then makes the, you know, the day of, maybe even moment of if we're already changing our T-shirts, Decision that kiddo's not going on the field trip. Yeah, and and OCR specifically found that this was a consequence, right? This this it's not there wasn't something else going on. They found specifically that 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 behavior we just described caused the assistant principal to say you're not going on this trip. And OCR found that the assistant principal must have seen a, a bit of a connection here because they said that this normally would be a suspension or expulsion, but as an accommodation to her disability, she wasn't going to be suspended or expelled, but she wasn't going to go on this trip. So I, I thought that was really interesting because they are drawing a direct line between this consequence and this child's disability, which sounds like, oh, was this a manifestation, Aaron? It wasn't, I don't believe. I mean, yeah. it was probably a new behavior now. Should she have done it in the continued to do so i think you're looking at a different story but it i don't recall that ocr said it was a manifestation and plus they said you weren't even required to at that point because it wasn't a significant change in placement that occurred simply by not going on the field trip yeah so they the parent had a couple of complaints one was you didn't do a manifestation termination review ocr like you just said you didn't need to wasn't a, a significant change of placement And then the parent also said, well, maybe the aide somehow in the way she responded to the child prompted this. And OCR specifically found, no, the aide was doing exactly what the IEP said this child should do. Even though this is OCR complaint, this is a child on an IEP. And OCR said, no, everything checked out. Everything was done correctly. And because this was a new behavior, as you described, there wasn't really a specific plan for how to respond to this. The physical assault is how OCR described it. And as a result, what's the next thing you do? You, you conduct an evaluation meeting after the fact, but you didn't need to magically do that before the field trip left. Well, and I liked that OCR focused on some of the aspect to say, listen, we were not going to reinforce these behaviors by allowing her to go on the field trip. The school was fine in doing that. They were allowed to say, we see these negative behaviors and we are not going to reinforce them. You're going to have a consequence And this is the natural consequence of your actions, just as they would have for any other student. And so it was going back to that equal access, equal opportunity mindset. We treated this student, we putting myself in the proverbial seat of that school district, just like any other kid. If they would have had the physical assault on a staff member, any other kid would have had, as you talked about, the suspension, maybe an expulsion recommendation. But we accommodated that by only limiting it to this field trip. And, and OCR also went down a, a different path. So that, that would take care of it, but they even went in another direction to effectively defend the school's actions in saying, and I'm reading from their decision letter, sending her on this trip, quote, may have resulted in serious consequences and placed staff, other classmates, and the student herself at risk. That sounds a lot like they're saying, we're not worried about an accommodation here because you don't need to worry about an accommodation if allowing 
in this case, the, ch- the child to go on the trip would cause an undue safety or health risk. And so I, th- I thought that was another interesting piece because a slap on the hand, I, I don't know, like my wife's an RBT right now studying to be a BCBA and my children like take turns identifying the new scars she has on her body from, you know, interacting with students. It kind of goes par for the course sometimes. So a, a great outcome for this school, but there's a lot of things they did right. And maybe that's where we kind of transition over to what, what can we take from this? And one of the first things you mentioned before we talked about the case, the individualized decision-making, essential. So this was not something where the school ahead of time said, no child in the autism unit gets to go on this business trip. She was set, ready to go, literally getting the shirt on to go on this trip before this decision was made. So you might think, wow, that's dangerous to make a change in plans right at the last minute. But it's also really good evidence the school intended for her to go. There was not some sort of blanket policy here. Well, and I think it, it goes to show that our goal always the, as the attorney is to have that neutral, non-discriminatory policy. So it shows we were being neutral in all of our decision making leading up. We were having our individualized decision. She was going at the end. She smacked a staff member twice, right? And physical assault seems so very aggressive, but in true legal terms, that's what it is. And so, okay, based on that, you're not going to go, just like any other student wouldn't be allowed to go. And so I think if we back up a little bit, hopefully maybe what this team did is she was part of this class, she's assumed to be going, right? That's the very first step. We're assuming she's going. And then I think from a district perspective, it might be that you might listen to this podcast and go, oh, do I have to have a meeting for every single field trip on every single kid? Probably not. But I think from a district perspective, you can probably sit down each year at an IEP meeting or your annual 504 meeting and say, hey, what's coming in the next year? What kind of accommodations, modifications, what do we need to make sure are present for field trips that may happen in the next year? Because you do have those, right? The sixth grade Washington, D.C. field trip. Or if your student's in band, we might be able to go in the Macy's Day Parade or Disney or, I don't know, show choir in Chicago. All the things. Don't make fun of show choir. Don't make fun they of show choir. They didn't see me smile, okay? You, you yeah, didn't need to don't announce make fun. that. Yes, I did because I take personal offense. <laughs> I was in the musical when I was in high school. Musical and show choir are two very oh, different things, sorry. friends. Also did the musicals, so it's all the love. It's fine. Um, what was I saying? It's fine. So having the pre-meetings or at least the annual meetings, talk about the expected trips. And then if ones do arise, having your staff know, okay, this is a trip to the bowling alley, right? For instance, we probably don't need extra accommodations and supports for this child based on what we know. Or we may need some extra accommodations or modifications based on what we know. Call a team meeting, have that discussion. And, and some of those trips have extra weight, right? Like you mentioned the Washington, D.C. trip. Um, a lot of schools have that. If there's something where you anticipate particular challenges or where you anticipate you have an open mind, but you anticipate maybe the it's not going to be a good idea for the kid to go, that's where I would make sure to be pretty serious about having either a meeting on that or specifically calling it out. I think that puts you in a better spot to uh, address that. So in 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 having those conversations, making sure to have a, a to specifically address if there's a neutral policy that it's truly neutral for this kid. And I'll pick on attendance. If we say, look, you have to have, you can't have more than 
five days of absence in the semester if you want to go on this trip. Well, if we've got a kid who um, has Crohn's disease and they're frequently missing due to you know treatments after effects of that or the impact of the Crohn's disease itself, then we're going to make an accommodation for that. So even a facially neutral policy, we need to consider whether it truly is neutral for this kid. And if it is, apply it. If it's not, think about how to accommodate. Well, but can we on the other side, like, listen, I can't get nursing staff to come on school field trips. It just never happens. So can't I ask mom? She's willing to come, right? Mom will give the meds. Mom will do what's necessary. I'm just going to ask the parent, right? That conversation happens Mm -hmm. often. A lot. Right? And it is no good deed is ever going to go unpunished in those situations, at least in, in my experience, right? Where requiring a parent to come and give the accommodations or modifications that you are otherwise required as a school district to provide is never going to be good for you as a school district. Yeah, if we had sound effects, I would have made like an eh. You uh, <laughs> said requiring the parent to attend. At least it wasn't like a womp, womp, womp. Well, I think we have that sound effect. Oh, see, yeah. next time, next time. Yeah. So, you know, kind of switching over. So now let's say you've made the decision, basically, this child's going to go. What are those practical considerations? That's certainly one. This this may, you know, we're wrapping up season one yeah. of On the Call. This may be something that comes back up in season two. There's a lot of field trip complaints that go to OCR. And so parent attendance is one issue. So being really careful about that, documenting the thought process, documenting the parents not required to go as a condition of the child going. Uh, I, I think also, Uh, considering health-related needs then for that student. So if it's a child with diabetes, for example, and you're going to be romping around in the woods, we better make sure that we uh, don't do your Wilford Brimley impersonation. (laughs) I did it last time. I won't do it this time. Uh, We we have access to the medication or other treatments or testing that might be needed wherever we might need it. Well, and making sure we're following, you know, state law with regard to who can carry the medication, administer the medication. Are they properly trained? I mean, a random chaperone needs to be aware of maybe signs and symptoms of a child who has diabetes and low or high blood sugar, the whole nine yards. But I also think those same chaperones might have some ability to have knowledge of other behavioral incidents for kids, not just the pure medical needs, but also what do we need to be aware of to let other trained, more or differently educated staff to be aware of, to intercede with a kid who's maybe having a behavioral or mental health concern? You know, not to throw us back into the case law, but I guess I will. This Long Beach case, it surprised me. I wonder if OCR looked into the idea of was this child um, feeling anxious, so she has autism, this is a big change in routine. And could that have fed into this behavior? I mean, I would think they would have argued that. I would have argued that if I was representing the family. So the behavior piece, yes, we need to pay attention to what needs to happen on the trip. But that also may require some planning leading up to a trip, especially if we have, let's say, somebody on the spectrum or somebody for whatever reason changes in routine. Uh, can create problems, then we want to think about how do we prep for that in advance. And that could include training more people than necessarily staff, right? I mean, under FERPA, I think you have every right to be able to say your chaperones have a legitimate educational interest in knowing pieces. They don't get to view the whole IEP or the ETR, but knowing there are pieces to watch for, to alert a teacher or other a district staff member to be able to be aware. So if, if I was just to 
summarize this in like elevator speech style, it really comes down to individualized determinations. So if we're making individualized decisions related to whether a child is, is able to go on a trip, and then if the child is, how we go about accommodating them, then you're going to be in the best position you can be to, first of all, make sure the kid gets to do this thing that we must think is important or else we wouldn't do it, but also to defend the decision-making if it's challenged later. That's it for season one of On the Call. We've had a lot of fun and are looking forward to coming back with season two this fall. Be sure to subscribe in any of your podcast platforms so you're alerted when we are back. We are looking forward to talking to you then. That's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. A quick note, this podcast is intended to be used for general information only and is not legal advice. If you have a specific question, please consult an attorney. Be sure to check out other episodes at ennisbritton.com or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to suggest, a question about today's episode, or anything else you'd like to share, please email us at podcast at ennisbritton.com. Whether by phone or this podcast, we look forward to being on the call with you again soon.